Hello, this is an audio version of a lockdown special live video stream, which you can still find on British Canoeing's YouTube and Facebook channels. Hey, hello everybody and welcome. It's uh, Thursday evening here in Great Britain. Welcome to everybody to the British Canoeing Paddlecast. Uh, my name is Etienne Stott. I'm an Olympic gold medalist from the London 2012 Games and I'm hosting tonight and looking forward to seeing all of you out there. So I hope some of you have managed to find some time to get out on the water recently. You know, the river where I am certainly got a lot busier in the last uh, week or two since uh, the lockdown restrictions were eased a little bit. Um, but I'm hoping you've managed to get out and uh, enjoy a little bit of paddling, perhaps. Um, in the next yeah, 45, 50 minutes, I'm going to be doing my best TV journalist impression, although I'm not claiming to be or aspiring to be Jeremy Paxman or Andrew Neil. So don't have to worry too much about that. But I'm really pleased to be welcoming um, two interesting guests who I'm sure many of you are ready and poised to ask some questions to. But before I welcome them, and those two guests are John Coyne and David Joy. I just want to remind you all that, that all Paddlecast episodes are available on the British Canoe Facebook, YouTube, and on the Paddlers Portal section of the British Canoe website. So you can definitely check them all out there. You can also find all the episodes as uh, podcasts as well. And, you know, we've had some super cool guests. We've had Bill Bailey, Hugo Tagholm, Sal Montgomery, Brent Orton, all the manufacturers uh, that were, were a few weeks ago. And we had some super cool uh, paddlers as well. So we had a really nice um, sort of selection of people. And I'm really hoping you're going to uh, enjoy catching up on them if that's what you're doing. So if anyone is catching up, welcome as well. Thank you so much for, for clicking on us and, and being with us right now. So... It gives me great pleasure to welcome the two guests we've got on tonight. So, first of all, we've got Professor John Coyne, CBE. Hello, John. Hi. Last minute connection issues, but he's here right on. Fantastic work. And we've also got the CEO of British Canoeing, Dave Joy. So, welcome both of you to the Paddlecast. I'll just keep. Hi, Etienne. Thanks very much. You can hear me all right and everything. I'm hoping so. John was appointed as the chair and an independent board member of British Canoeing in October 2016. So he's got a background in the business sector and a 40-year career in higher education. Uh, John was a vice chancellor at the University of Derby for 11 years before retiring in July 2015 and finding himself hanging around with loads of canoeists. So well done, John. Thanks for being along. And David was appointed the CEO of British Canoeing in January 2016. He's got over 25 years of managerial experience and he's been previously the CEO of Scottish Athletics, Derbyshire Sport and England Golf. And has also done all sorts of work with Sport England, Sport Scotland and Sports Coach UK. So David and John, it's great to have you along. And we've had a few questions coming in from members and hoping people will type in the questions into the chat as well. We've also tried to kind of collect a general feeling of the questions that get sent in to the uh, to British Canoeing via um, all sorts of methods. So we're hoping to kind of, you know, find out a bit more about what's going on in all sorts of areas. But before we stuck, get stuck in, you know, before we get really started... I just want to know how the last few weeks have been for you personally. And I'm very especially interested in if any of you ran out of toilet roll amid the uh, rush to the toilet roll uh, shortages at the start. And if you did run out of toilet roll, please don't tell me anything more about it. Just say I've run out of toilet roll and that's it. 
Well, how has it been, uh, John? Tell me first of all, what's it been like these last few weeks? It's been weird. Well, I've, I've never uh, got to know my garden quite as much as I have these past uh, few weeks. We've been very circumspect, followed the restrictions to the letter. So it's been a matter of uh, staying at home, doing the garden, enjoying this marvellous uh, weather, and uh, catching up on all those jobs around the house that I no longer have an excuse for ignoring and what's been the uh, diy uh, task that you feel you've absolutely nailed and you're like that's perfect i'm not going to come back to that for at least a few years diy perfection and john coin are never found in the same sentence ah uh, yes yeah we've all been there you rip the wall down as you rip the ivy down i've uh, yeah fair enough yeah as long as you've managed to kind of things are generally better than they were at the start of lockdown and i think you can count that as a triumph Absolutely. Yeah, we're, we're in good shape now. And what about you, David? Have you been grafting away? What's it been like in the uh, in this, this last few weeks? Because I'm sure there's a, a never-ending list of things to do. And, and have you managed to sort of take advantage of the a bit of difference in, in scheduling? Yeah, in, in terms of personal life, for sure. And those those who know me won't, won't be surprised to know that uh, a little list was made at the at the outset as we all realised we we're going to be in, at home for a little while. So, so a bit like John, really working through uh, working through stuff in the garden uh, and on the house last weekend was, was painting outside the front of the house and then and then just getting personal paper in order and all that kind of stuff so um time's put to to, to good use what what color is the front of your house what we're we talking about is it the um, only house in your, in your village that is like green or something no i mean if we want if we do want to go into the detail i think i think it was uh midstone on the on, on the front elevation you might call it so um so, yeah, just a, a little fresh coat of paint and looking very good, I think. Yeah, man. I mean, I think it's been a strange and, and difficult, I guess, for all sorts of people to kind of, yeah, get out of the house and, and stay fit and stay mentally mentally healthy. But seems like you're here in good shape, both of you. So so thank you very much. And just welcome anyone who's arriving um, to the to the broadcast just now. We're live out on uh, all the channels um, with British Canoeing on the Paddlecast. We've got David Joy, the CEO of British Canoeing, and John Coyne, the chair of uh, British Canoeing, with us tonight. We're going to ask them some questions and just see uh, see what goes on. So first of all, I suppose, um, I guess it's to either of you, really. Um, I just wonder what it's been like um, for British Canoeing as an organisation. I mean, there's very few organisations have not been really struggling with this COVID-19 uh, business. And, and, and how has it affected, uh, you know, British canoeing. Maybe I should say that to, to to David. I'll put that to David first of all. What what do you think's been happening there? Uh, uh, yeah, a lot cons- considerable impact right across the the whole community. As you, as you can imagine, I think you know a real tough time for the the country as a whole. And and you put it in the context of, of people losing life and NHS and the, the economic challenges that we're all facing. But when I look at what we've been doing within British canoeing over the last um, 10, 12 weeks, there was. It's been in a few phases, really. I would I would say that, that there was a very definite close down phase that came really quickly. We had no prior warning to Prime Minister's announcement, uh, and so we went down into close down pretty quickly. Uh, we had to close the office and or the, the offices, two offices, and and relocate people into 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 home working, ensuring their welfare at, at the same time very quickly. We began to offer advice to to clubs and centres that they also had to restrict their activities uh, within within a very few days. Uh, we'd been advised that that actually people needed to stop paddling and that the 
uh, the, the the waterways, the the, the licensed waterways were, were were no longer usable. Um, and and we went further. Actually, uh, events into the future cancelled. The two international events that we were due to host cancelled. Mm-hmm. So a very definite closed down lockdown phase that really affected the whole community, the, the clubs, the centres, the course providers, um, and then later went to impact on on trade and retail. And then and then very quickly, actually, we were we were into the analysis of what does that mean for the for the business of British canoeing and the community of British canoeing. And uh, I, I guess we're, we're fortunate to a degree that, that 70% of our income is, is public funding and we were advised that that was fairly secure. But, but during the course of a year, we'll, we'll earn in excess of, of £2 million. And it was apparent reasonably quickly that, that at least half of that was going to be a real challenge during the year. Mm-hmm. And so in order to keep the organisation solvent and not have a problem at, at year end, we quickly got into the business of, of looking what, what where we needed to make savings and and how we could reallocate the funds, and, and we we did that fairly effectively, and I managed to to produce a new plan, um, which 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 had a manageable deficit at, at the end, and then and then again relatively quickly we moved into a phase of what the new normal was, and and how do we stay engaged with members during this period? Obviously, it's no longer face to face. Clubs are not active, events are not happening, recreational paddlers are not able to paddle. So really looking at how could we still support members and then do work in the background that was going to be great for members coming back. And we, we saw great signs of that. Um, incredible figures on the, the 45 paddling films that we, we presented. We've had uh, between three and 5,000 people every time we've done a, a fitness session or a yoga, a yoga session. So members really engaging in, in that kind of work. Yeah, cool. And then, as I say, perhaps later on, talking about some of the work we've been doing in the background. And then finally, we're in, I suppose we're in um, uh, relaxation phase and how we get back paddling and, and seeing an immediate bounce back actually after the 13th of May when people could paddle again. Uh, and then further relaxation last weekend, which which we just introduced, which just shared guidance this last couple of days. Uh, it does mean a little bit more coached activity. People can paddle in groups of, of, of six. There's, there's an opportunity now maybe for, for some courses to begin again. And we've got that guidance going out tomorrow. So, you know, right through the phases of dealing with the, oh, my goodness, this has happened and how do we deal with it, to today where we're beginning to to really get people back into into mm-hmm. So I've got a question here, actually. Uh, Lee Horton emailed in earlier. He said he, he's a foundation safety and rescue training and aquatic uh, first aid um, provider. And he's basically here pretty much asking you, you know, what are the, when are the guidelines going to come out about how to run these courses in a safe manner and, and with social distancing? So do you know anything about that? What's the side of it on that front? Yeah, I think there's, there's guidance actually tomorrow, I believe, on, on the website. Uh, and all of our COVID guidance has been, has been in, the, in, the, in the relevant pages on the website. You find, find them on the homepage. And, mm-hmm. and there is a potential now for, for some instruction and, and, and courses. I think the two particular ones that have just been mentioned are difficult because of the, the, the requirements of those courses and, and social distancing. Um, so we, we will always follow the guidance uh, that government issue and then interpret that. And, and so now with, with the ratios as they are, still social distancing required, we, we think that some course provision uh, and some coaching can 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 now start again, and as I say, that guidance is on the website uh, in terms of coaching currently. Courses tomorrow. Um, those particular courses, I think, because of yeah. the elements, are just are just going to require another stage of relaxation and probably 
realistically um, won't be possible until until social distancing is no longer no longer a, a requirement. You know, people will know me that I'm I'm all about addressing the climate emergency, and I think I've been out there on the record saying, you know, I believe sport has got a role to play in this, and I actually believe the British canoeing has got a massive role to play in this because we're an outdoor sport with full of people who love being in the outdoors, and I think, you know, this pandemic has given the people lucky enough to be able to to take advantage of a bit of extra time or a bit of extra opportunity to get into the open spaces. They've really managed to, you know, to really appreciate that. So I was wondering, you know, what's British Canoeing's plan in that respect, uh, you know, reducing um, its carbon uh, its carbon footprint and general, you know, just looking out for, for the environment and and its kind of the, the impact of our sport. And I guess I'll, I'll post that over to, to David. Go on, why not, David? I'll go alternately. Thanks, thanks, Eskin. I guess the the work that's been most obvious in the, the last couple of years is, has been around plastic pollution and, and river cleanup and, and the work around reducing the, the spread of, of non-native invasive species and through the, through Check Clean Dry. And uh, it was great to see last week's um, paddlecast uh, with with Surfers Against Sewage. I think that partnership has been incredible. Uh, and the membership and, and paddlers in general just just amazing in terms of the work that we do around around keeping the the waterways clear and and the coastal areas clean. So so I think that's that's really important and and, and we'll continue with that work and, and enhance it in in the next few years. We've we've had a, a group working hard over the last um, few months with regards to our sustainability plan. Uh, we've got proposals going to to our board in uh, in June. Uh, and and I think I think it's one of those areas where you can always do more. You know, we'll, we'll look at the small things that we do of of um, ten thousand plastic bags that used to be in bins in 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 the office in Nottingham no longer are. And but of course it, it's it is much bigger than that, Etienne. And every time you and I have a conversation, you you remind me of that. So I think now we're, we're seriously uh, seriously uh, even more seriously looking at, at where we need to go and what what we need to do and. And this period has given us a period of reflection. And I guess many of the learnings that we've had over the last few months about how we can run our business really effectively and how, how we can engage people really effectively will we'll knock on and kick through into, into the next few years. So, so the areas that we're looking at are definitely reducing our travel uh, mm. domestically, not, not just the paid staff, but, but volunteers and encouraging clubs to do the same. Uh, we, we're certainly going to be looking at our waste and our utilities and how we how we do that uh, more effectively. The, the suppliers that we choose to work with and, and look at their credentials perhaps a little bit more than we have done. Uh, look at our recycling recycling and our use of paper. And and uh, as I say, I think we're we're in the early stages of that plan. Uh, I think I think what what's interesting is that, that we need you know, if we truly become. Uh, advocates and, and evidencing this, then we can encourage the clubs and the centres and others to work in a similar way. And I expect this to be a, a key theme within our next strategy and that the British canoeing and the partners who make it up uh, really are seeing to be making a positive difference. And are we um, working with the... Yeah, are we working with any other sports bodies? Like I'm thinking, you know, like climbing and other sports like ours that are really, you know, connected to nature. And I know, I know, British Mountaineering Council are really progressive on this. They're really, you know, kind of taking this and running with it because they want to 
you know, they their members can see the changes in, in the environment. And I think our members probably can as well. And, and I think they're demanding, you know, they're dem- British climbing, you know, they, they really want their, their their governing body to take this on. So I'm just curious, you know, if you get that sense from, from British canoeing members and, and maybe, you know, we can link up with other, other governing bodies. Yeah, the sense is really strong. It's 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 clear every single day that this is a, an important mem- important issue to to members and and paddlers who aren't members. And and yes, in, increasingly, uh, Etienne. So we're really closely with BMC on on this issue, but but on on many others. And then I think because of the work that we've been doing around access to rivers, inland inland waterways, and and a real drive to bring that change of legislation that we're we're looking for. We've become much more active in 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 these types of forums over the last couple of years, and so our partnerships uh, with with Natural England, Countryside England, they they, they are they are really strengthening, uh, mm-hmm. and how we how we preserve the outdoors, make best use of it, but preserve it, uh, is 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 really core business for us. Actually, it's not peripheral at all; it's core business, and uh, I'm really looking forward to that being much clearer in our next strategic plan. Thank you. Yeah, no, I uh, I'm looking forward to that too. I really am really believe you know British canoeing can take a lead here. The canoeists and kayakers, the paddle boarders, everybody involved here. You know, we've got a role to play in this, and and I'm hoping we can all do something. So thank you for that. And I'm going to look. There's a few questions coming in on the side here, and uh, I'm going to bring one one of them up. Um, let me see. So um, where is it there? Oh, yeah, Darren Joy is asking, is he a relation to you, David? I don't know. Just checking, he's not a plant. Um, yeah, it's basically talking about online courses. Are we going to try and bring some of our courses online so we can get people involved in doing stuff like that um, without having to worry so much about social distancing? Yeah, already have, obviously. I think um, uh, the, the work that we've done over the last two or three years, listening to members about, about e-learning and online learning, uh, made massive strides there, and uh, last time I checked, uh, there, were, there were more than forty-five thousand coach visits uh, into the e-learning platform, and and several parts of our qualifications now can be can be done through through e-learning. I think I think it's likely to be a mix actually, and, and we know that the coaches do like to still physically get together, exchange views and thoughts in and around coaching, uh, leadership and instruction. I guess one of the, the key messages here is that, that this whole process is now so much easier and, and that actually people can do the learning in their own way. Uh, they, can, they can do the learning online. Uh, they, can, they can practice within their own environment. And then if they feel re- they're ready, they can go straight to an assessment stage, which, which, will, which will always be face-to-face. But, but many people now, are not, not, they are getting the qualifications without having to go on courses because the learning can be done in their own way, in their own time, and they can present to assessments. That, that's a major change. Coaches uh, told, told us in 2016 that the, the process was too long, too bureaucratic, too expensive. And we've already made those changes and lots of e-learning opportunities. I think the challenge now is, is just making more coaches aware of just what is possible and how they can work through it. And, and as Darren's saying, I think um, there will be fewer coaches having to attend, attend courses but, but there will still be courses because people want them. Uh, thank you. I, I mean, yeah, that whole online thing is a really, uh, I guess it's a massive um, potential to, to, to engage people in a really different way. So, yeah, Peter Nashir is saying, you know, we've been encouraging our club members to take out their own membership of British Canoeing to help out 
the, uh, the 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 parent body at Wush Explore. So it seems like you know people recognise that there's a you know they can help out the their governing body in this time as well. So that's real really nice. I'm just wondering. Hold on. Can I just echo John's point there, Etienne? It, it, it has been amazing. You know, we, we had a lot of decisions to make in a short period of time as, as to whether we should um, uh, extend membership, for example. We, we, we decided that, that actually individual members would make their own choice if they didn't wish to renew in, in April. That was really understandable. And, and, and then if they wanted to renew in May or June when they started to paddle, that, that was fine. And because members had that choice, we left it as it was. But also... Uh, really clear that, that membership is is critical to the organisation um, keeping going and, and being the best it can be in future years. And and for 50% of the members to commit to membership when they couldn't paddle, I thought was absolutely outstanding. Mm-hmm. And for me, shows some of the progress that we've made within the four years uh, under the banner of Stronger Together, that, that it is the members' organisation. Members own the company. Uh, it, is, it is about what members want. And, and it was really, the staff were just um, really grateful and really proud, actually, that it, it feels like it's beginning to work because members were happy, essentially, to invest in, in the organisation they're now beginning to believe in. So it was incredible. And, and a, a huge thanks to the, to the members who did that and, and, and those that are watching. Yeah, man, that's good. I mean, I, I think Johnny was, uh, you know, one of the things I noticed on something I read, uh, you know, uh, on some of the stuff that you were sending out was it seemed like we were trying to support the shout out went out to support the uh, the businesses involved in our, you know, family, our canoeing family. And I think that was real, really touching. So I got a question here from um, Peter Nash, and he's basically saying, um, yeah, here you go, to put it online. So basically, you know, the Canals and River Trust, there's been a sort of how can they help us to to improve access points and platforms for older paddlers so that they can get involved so i guess you know making it easy for, for people to get on the river is kind of leaning towards the access and, and inclusion side of things i don't know john do you want to come in on that is there any any, any? yeah we need all these uh, partnerships to where we've got common interest to develop together and the thousand river trust is obviously a very important moment can I, can I just build on the, the, the specific point uh, yeah, around, around CRT? I think it, it, it's with all. I think it's a really good, good point and good question actually. With 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 all of the um, with all of these things, partnerships are about relationships, and and we are working really hard at building the relationships with the organisations uh, where we share where we share a common agenda, where they can help us and, and we can help them and. CRT is a charity, and a part of their charitable work is is getting people active uh, on on towpaths and, and on the waterways. So that that partnership is beginning to develop. And uh, an example of that is that we're now getting um, a huge percentage of the referrals to go go paddling website from the CRT website. So so it's, it's really really is developing. But but our relationships with CRT, the Environment Agency, the Broads. And the other waterways authorities are, are are strengthening by the day. That does allow us then to have the conversations about how we improve access, how we increase participation, how we how we get more paddling into city centres and improve the diversity of the people who are who are going to paddle. And and I and I've got some confidence that we're going to make some progress, further progress in the next two or three years. The other, the other point I think I just want to share with members who are listening is that we've also got the Canoe Foundation, uh, and the Canoe Foundation. Um, sits, sits slightly to the side. It's, it's independent of British canoeing, 
but we're, we're now discussing with the foundation about, about their purpose, how they align their work to the work of ours and the needs of paddlers. Uh, and, and they're particularly interested in using the resources that they've got in exactly, in exactly this way of, of access and egress points where they're most required in order that more people can get on the water more easily in more places so that more people can paddle more often. So uh, I think that's going to be a really exciting series of partnerships with ourselves, the foundation uh, and, and the waterways authorities and the landowners to have a real strategic approach to where do we need the, the access egress points uh, and, then, and then how can we get those rolled out and, and put in place in a pretty systematic way over the next two, three, four, five years. Mm. No, I mean, look, this is, this is a whole uh, thing to, to kind of get involved in. There was a, there's a question from uh, Jim Jay's earlier, and you were talking about partnerships. And uh, I guess we've reached out into the political, you know, to our government, basically, to, to get them to push them. And he was asking if we'd ever, ever, ever heard from the prime minister. And I guess the guy is kind of busy. We don't quite know what he's up to right now. I think it's fair to say sometimes not quite sure what he's doing. But did we ever hear back from him? Uh, Jim Jays was asking. And um, yeah, go on. <laughs> that's, 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 that's a really good question. And, um, and we need really need Ben Seal on the call to, to tell us whether the prime minister uh, responded to us. I'm not sure as he did, you know. Uh, we've, we've, had a, we've had correspondence and meetings with, with almost every, every minister. Um, but I, I, I think we've still to to meet with the prime minister to talk about the work of British canoeing and, and our access program. So um, uh, it's still on the agenda. He's, he's probably uh, a little bit uh, distracted at the moment, but let's not give up trying. No, and that's the thing for me. I'm kind of interested in this because um, you know I've, I've been doing the, the the paddle cast and the podcast as well, and I think British canoeing have got quite a good model at the moment. You know, we've got a really strong case saying, look. If we can access the waterways, we can help to steward them as a as a group, as a community. And I think, you know, politicians, they're going to have to listen to that because actually this is something that's important to an awful lot of people. So I'm kind of really hopeful on that side of things. And I'm just kind of, yeah, I'm hoping that, yeah, we've got a good case to make. But I, I think Jim also made another point about, um, you know, it seems like it's more likely that the the government, um, maybe MPs or whatever, are going to be pro-fishing. But I kind of feel like we've got on a really strong position now. What, what's your thoughts on that, John? Well, uh, my view is that our community uh, are the best custodians you could possibly have for our waterways and our natural en- environment. Um it's always dangerous. We're such a diverse community, it's, it is dangerous to generalise. But by and large, as outdoor people, respectful people, lovers of nature, then, you know, we not only use those waterways, we clean them, we preserve them. And, uh, I, you know, I think that's a very, very positive uh, aspect. I don't want us to be in conflict with anyone because I no. think there's space for us all to enjoy and to be... Uh, to be respectful. One thing I did notice when uh, people began to come out of lockdown, some of the news and press reports were about the amount of litter they'd left behind. You know, we've still got a lot to do to educate the regular population that, you know, that is just totally unacceptable. Mm-hmm. And that's why I struck. How many of our community, on their first opportunity to paddle after being off the water for eight or nine weeks was to get on the water and clean it up. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. This lad Tommy. 
uh, first time they can get on the water, they go and clean up their beloved stretch of the river and the river Turwent. And we've got to harness that, that, that energy, work with people, share the water, share it properly, but be good, sound environmental custodians of those wonderful natural places that, as you said at the beginning, we're all beginning to appreciate even more after being stuck at home for nine weeks. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think we're going to get any disagreements out there. We're good people, good canoeing family, good paddle sport family. We need to be out on the rivers and and, and lakes and, and everywhere and, and look after them responsibly. And then we will hopefully be, um, you know, be respected and allowed to go where where we want. So we're not doing anyone any harm at the end of the day. I got a question that was interesting here was um, a guy called John Tuvans. My apologies. Oh, no, here's one. I'll put it up on the screen here. Mark has put it up. So Stuart Bristow is asking. He's saying there's a non-Olympic world championship going ahead in September. And at the moment, British canoeing, well, what's they, what are they doing about a domestic selection for that event? So that's a bit of a pickle for us, isn't it? I guess because if there's international competitions going on, but we're still struggling to get domestic competitions happening. Is, does either of you have a, a, an angle on that potentially to answer yeah. that question? I, I, I'll take it if that's okay, John. I'm, I'm yeah, in, um, in this space, so actually during the, the course of this week, several times. There's a, there's a few moving. There's a few moving parts here. Um, the international calendar is still not fixed and, and any event that is currently showing as possible still has a, a potential postponement um, date. Uh, and increasingly, countries around the world, uh, I speak with my counterparts fairly frequently, um, countries around the world are, are deciding that actually it, it's, it's very difficult, if not impossible, to travel internationally uh, during the course of this year. So I, 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 I think it's, it's, it's doubtful whether all of the events that are currently um, proposed will actually take take place. I think domestically, there's again, there's a couple of elements for us. Um, one, uh, we know from the conversations that we're having with government that, that uh, domestic events and gatherings are still not on their agenda yet. So, so we understand that the, the next announcement at the beginning of July uh, won't get us into that into that place. The, the government are not exploring that at this stage. Whilst there might be a further relaxation, relaxation, it, it isn't going to be to a degree that allows us to have uh, domestic domestic events. So I, I think the staging of of trial events or, or any events, I think, is 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 later in the year, if at all. Yeah. The third bit that's moving around, I suppose, is 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 also. The policy decision that we have to take and that I have to recommend to the board in terms of the safety and the well-being of the people on trips, uh, the people who will need to travel and drive across borders to get the boats there, uh, the, the well-being of, our, of athletes and coaches and staff, given that there's going to be nations from all over the world potentially at an event, uh, and, and the risk versus reward of actually taking part in those events. So we're in discussions with the chairs of each of the discipline committees at the moment. Um, about about the wisdom actually of travelling internationally during the course of this year, and on balance, my my view is that 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 that, that, that that's probably not in the interests of of athletes and and coaches. Uh, the financial risks associated with it are also significant, but the primary the primary issue is about the the welfare and well being of athletes and coaches, and we don't think there's going to be time for athletes to get back into training. Uh, to get real benefit from international events, the events. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Aren't going to be 
it's a real challenge. It's a real challenge for this year, I'm afraid. Yeah, I think the yeah my personal view, and maybe it's not my place to make that, but I, you know, I think it's going to be very difficult to host an, any event practically. But also, it's going to be more a test of who's managed to somehow blag their training these last few months, rather than actually a test of who the better athlete is. So I, I think it's really and you know just practically very very difficult. Um, I've just got another question that's really interesting. So this one is a little bit more about the um, kind of engaging with the membership. And uh, yeah, it was John Tuven. I'm not sure if I've quite Tuven. Um, he's basically saying, yeah, so he says, how is the organization going to develop and improve active participation in decision making um, at all levels when he estimates uh, that only 10 to 15 percent of the membership engage in that process? So have you guys got any way or plans to like get more people involved in the kind of decision making in British canoeing? And I don't know, John, do you want to take this or is it, it David? I don't know which one of you guys is in this. I, I think David will probably be able to give much, much better detail, but let me just address the general sentiment. The more your community and your members are interested in and believe in the organisation that they're part of, the more they will want to participate, the more they will want to get involved. That'll be through volunteering, it'll be through club activities, and it'll be through and making it clear to us what it is that they want us as an organisation to do for to do for them. But of course, uh, participation is always a, a two-way uh, uh, exercise. You know, we can make the opportunities available, but people have to then respond respond to them, and we have to be sensitive to understanding how it is that people want to engage with us you know if people want to do it online but all we ever do is set up physical presence then perhaps it's no surprise if, if we were to miss them in that in that context but uh, you know what has impressed me is just how many of our members when we put out uh, consultations the responses we get is extraordinary and we benchmark remarkably well against any other organization i've seen in the willingness of our members to tell us what they think. Would you say that was fair, David? Yeah, I, I think I agree with all of that, John. I just just uh, add, add a couple of thoughts, really. I think we were coming from quite a low base with, without, without being critical of anything that went before. I think we were coming from quite a low base of, of engagement uh, with, with members. Um, and we are slowly beginning to see a difference, but it's not where it's not quite yet where I would wish it to be. And, and um, there's there's more work to do. And I think I think it is it is something that takes a little bit of time. When we when we first did um, uh, the net promoter score, which which basically uh, you're measuring the number of people who who you might call detractors, the people who would talk badly of you, uh, and and measuring and comparing those with the people who. Who, who are promoters of you and think that, that the organisation is really strong. Uh, we, we got a significant minus number there three years ago. Uh, and so the majority of our members didn't feel in a position to talk positively about British canoeing. And that's beginning to change. It went from minus nine to minus four to plus 23 this year. And, and that's a pretty reasonable place to be, but, but still not where, where either board or the, the staff or key volunteers would want us to be. I think I think digital really is key, actually, in engagement and then driving participation. If I just talk for a minute or two about about go paddling, so the British Canoeing website um, 
hasn't changed that much in its content in the last three or four years and, and pretty much serves a purpose for for members who are who know the way around it and and who 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 are already probably a part of British canoeing or pretty close to it. We realized two and a half years ago that we weren't connecting with or engaging with potential new paddlers or or recreational paddlers or people outside of clubs or or, or our membership. And we did quite a lot of insight work. Uh, and out of that came came a, a decision to start building the Go Paddling website. Last year, the, the number of unique visitors to the Go Paddling website was 120,000, which was twice the number to British canoeing. What, what, what's really interesting, and, and there's kind of a so what to that, to that number, because what does that show and where does it go? What's been really interesting over the, the last month is that the, the number of people that, are, that there's been 45,000 unique visitors to the Go Paddling site in May. Uh, last year, there were 48,000 unique visitors to the British canoeing site in the whole of the year. So 45,000 unique visitors in May. And we understand why they are coming there now, because they're referring from Google, uh, because of the work that we've done to, to position Go Paddling uh, in SEO terms so that the, the, the people end up at our site. But we're also seeing what they're visiting when they go on Go Paddling. And what where they're going to are the trails, uh, paddle points, um, and 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 into licensing, uh, and then into membership, and what what's happened as a result of that? Six thousand people downloaded trails in May, uh, whereas in last year's May, a thousand people downloaded trails. But going a stage further, three thousand new members have joined British Canoeing this month, uh, and that is a direct result of the work that we've done around understanding the audience that are attracted to go paddling and then providing for them. And that, that model is what we now have to replicate in actually all areas of our business. Uh, we're seeing it with, with our women's community on the Facebook book, book group and, and She Paddles. That, 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 that mechanism is, is talking to a women's community to begin to understand in order to, to provide. Um, and so I, I think it is, about, it is about segmenting. What do the competition paddlers want? And then further than that, what do the white water paddlers want and the racing paddlers want? And then providing for them, and then you get the levels of engagement. And, and we, are, we are beginning to see it now in, in several areas of our organisation. I think the Go Paddling is a, is a fabulous example of it, but, but, but there are more and more. And over the next three or four years, as we understand more about what people want, more people tell us what they want, we then provide for them, and then we get more people engaged and more people paddling more often. So there's a there's a direct correlation to what we're all doing uh, that obviously ties into the work of the clubs and the centres and the providers in terms of providing those participation opportunities. But but it is beginning to work. And I, I, just, just a couple more figures there. In, in terms of the net promoter score, we we ran a, a little survey for a few a few weeks on on the Go Paddling site as to what people thought about that Go Paddling site and how they scored it in the net promoter score basis and it, and it scored a net promoter score of 70 now amazon doesn't score 70 so in in terms of hitting the niche that absolutely nailed it and and our ambition now is that we do that for every community within british canoeing in a similar way so that people absolutely are getting what they want and we're not there yet but we're we're certainly making some some really pleasing progress 
Uh, well, you have kind of led me to a really important question um, that we received earlier on in the uh, well, earlier on in the week, in from Adia Misra. I'm going to kind of paraphrase a little bit, but um, Adia talks about how she paddles is such a great initiative, you know, and it's really working well to increase representation of uh, of women and girls in paddle sport. But Adia is asking, what about the black and minority ethnic community? Because they don't seem to be represented in British canoeing. And, you know, what would you be wanting to do along those lines? And that's very much topical at the moment. Yeah, I think it, it, it's it's a challenge and, and not not where I'd want us to be. Um, so our, our participation rates from, from um, black Asian minority groups is, is in, in a very small percentage. Uh, so in, in terms of where we're trying to go with improving the diversity in our sport, if I look at where our strengths are, we've got fantastic age diversity uh, and people people will paddle into, into later years and start in, in young years. Uh, our, our gender diversity is, is or gender balance is improving uh, and and we're moving towards, in, in some areas of our work, 40%, um, 40% women. We, we, of course, want to move that towards a, a gender balance at 50%. I think we, we, we have done and continue to do some really nice work around, around providing opportunities for people with disabilities paddle, and we see that within the paddleability clubs. We see it within our, within our Paralympic programme, uh, and we're seeing diversity, actually, in, in, the, in, in people coming through into the coaching workforce as well. Uh, I think, I think the, the black and Asian minority work is, is underdeveloped. Uh, and 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 I think it is again in terms of how we present ourselves digitally, uh, and how people do people see themselves in how we present British canoeing, and, and it's something my colleagues and I are continuing to work about. But then it is about the partnerships with clubs and and the water sports centres, uh, and and organisations like CRT, who who work in in communities. Uh, where we need to be making an offer that's attractive to those communities. And, and I think I would say we, we're not where we, we want to be. We're not where we will be in a few years. Um, but, we, but we are beginning to, to gather some learnings from some of the early work that, that we're doing. So uh, absolutely, absolutely more to do. And, and hearing from people who've got ideas about how best to do it, I, th- I think is very welcome. And, and, and I'd love to have a conversation, actually. Yeah, well, I think, you know, it's a credit to us. I think we're sort of seeing that a lot of us have got a long way to go in this area and it is difficult and we've got to work really hard. Um, I'm just about to start wrapping up, but Rachel Hudspeth is just getting in there at the last thing. So the sport has had some bad press with a few rescue incidents and sadly a death. Not once has the press uh, urged when reporting for people to take part responsibly and find out how to from NGB. So that's something I can see you nodding there, John. What have you got to say about that? Absolutely. You know, we have a huge responsibility uh, as an NGB to to promote safe practice in uh, in in everything that we do uh, in, in the water. And you know, I, I I agree. We we need to make people alert that it is a wonderfully enjoyable uh, activity, but like any activity. Uh, you have to do it properly, take the proper precautions and learn. We're, we're, we're geared up to do that and we just need those, as it were, signposts so that people will always act responsibly uh, and, and stay safe. I think with the, the I think it, 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 it's sadly um, 
the risk the risk increases as participation increases and, and and new people come into the sport and with every piece of guidance that we've issued in the last few weeks there's there's also been safety messages actually in in, in and, and driving people towards towards our safety messages and during the course of this summer there'll be a significant campaign encouraging people to understand the safety precautions and then follow them yeah absolutely we don't want anyone having a bad time on the water we want good times happy times on the rivers and lakes and the waterways so guys i think we're kind of wrapping up here we've been going for a while fair credit to you guys uh, we've been jumping around different topics and everything and i just want to you know um either of you has, have got anything just to last comments brief last comments before i start to wrap up well, I'll go first and leave the chairman to have the, the final word. But uh, first of all, Etty, you know, we're coming to the end of this this phase of the series, I think. Just a really well done to you. I think it's been a great series and uh, really, really been engaging our members, which is what we're here to do. And and an opportunity for me to, to thank people, actually, for all the, the way that people have followed the guidance. Uh, I think we've managed our way through this really well, the way that people continue to support British canoeing. We're really anxious now to, to get clubs back active uh, centres, water providers, um, and and work towards the community getting fully active again. So um, people really confident that we're working as hard as we can uh, and look forward to working with people over the next few months to, to get to that point. And John, any final thoughts? Well, uh, endorse everything that, that, that David said. This was going to be our, our dream year. We were hosting the European Canoe Slalom Championship. We were hosting a freestyle world cup all our disciplines were in great shape and of course we've got some great athletes going to the olympics and the and the paralympics and all that has been put sideways and when it could so easily have been an absolute catastrophe and an absolute disaster what i will take away from this is how much we have learned about what a fabulous community we we represent and you know we can cope with those crises when we have the kind of people associated with with, with paddling that we uh, that we enjoy, so I'm going to emerge out of lockdown optimistic. Mm. Well, gents, yeah, I agree. Um, you know, this is tough times. It's very tough times out there for people. Some people are really suffering, um, and you know, I, I'm sure you'd be same as me. I hope our community as well. I hope all our all our friends are out there doing all right. And, you know, I just want everyone to, to, to come out of this healthier and hopefully happier towards the future. But I want to say thank you once again for joining us. Thank you to all the people who've been watching and sending in questions. I'm sorry we couldn't get every single question in. We've had loads of questions as well that just couldn't fit in. Um, we've had a good chat. We've talked a bit about access. Someone was saying, have we talked about it? Yes, we have. Go and watch it on the, uh, on watch again if you want. Um, I want to say thank you to everybody who's watching this on the on the on the uh, all our channels, all our social media channels, and who listen to it on the podcast. Thanks so much for being here, and uh, I'll encourage you all to join me next Thursday evening, seven pm. We're going to have another fantastic paddlecast episode. And uh, in the meantime, all of you, please stay safe if you're on the water. Stay safe and love your communities, love your friends and family. And let's love everyone out there and try and uh, try and build something better on the other side of this uh, of this uh, t- terrible time. So thank you and, and good evening to you all. Mwah. Bye.